Ladies and gentlemen, get your alliums ready to be tricocumed in the Wild Edible World podcast. I'm only one of your hosts. My name's Michael. And I'm Steve. It's the episode you've all been waiting for. It's a shock that we haven't done it before. Yeah, how is this episode, whatever episode number it is, I don't even know what episode number this is. 44, I think. Really? I think so. 43, okay. 44. Uh, yeah, ramps. 44, my lucky number. No shit? <laughs> no, not, not really. Um, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe now, maybe now. Yeah. Uh, it's episode uh, ramps, yeah. or as Michael, Michael said, uh, allium... Tricocum. Tricocum. You got to be careful with that one. <laughs> yeah, you do got to be careful with Whoa. that. But again, it's that Hi-yo. old, that old uh, <laughs> standard. It's a binomial of a dead language. Say it however you want, folks. Allium tricocum. That's good. I just think, I feel like it could get out of hand pretty quickly. Tricacum. Yeah, just I'll just lean into the Chicago edge of it. Tricacum. Tricacum. That tricacum right there on uh, <laughs> Michigan Avenue, right down by the... Uh, that's good. That's good. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have heard of ramps, but we do have a pretty good um, past with ramps. We're kind of sitting amongst them right now. We really are. There's some about twenty feet behind me. Yep, but they're looming over your shoulder. Ooh, Look out! Whoa! No, they're they're friendly. They're not that big here. That no, no, they're they're decent size, but this no. is a pretty old patch too. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of these ramps have had a quite a few years to establish and colonize and yeah so let's uh talk let's let's talk ramp let's, let's talk, talk about ramp. what they look like yeah what yeah these? so the most, most recognizable surface or you know part of them for once is not going to be the flower yeah it's their leaves um mostly because they are one of the first things to come up on the ground in the springtime and uh they are also pretty distinctive their color is very bright their leaves are typically very long and straight, and uh, I mean, just honestly, with the contrast of all the leaves and the duff and everything that is still not quite catching up with the warmth, um, it's you know pretty obvious. They're beautiful. It's bright. It's a bright green. Mm-hmm. So you can, I mean, just sitting where we're sitting right now, you can see ramps, you can see the bluebells, and they have, I guess, similar like, like tuft, but. They're totally different shade of green. Oh so, yeah, the so, bluebells have a very distinct shade of like they have mottling purple mm-hmm. and almost like a glaucousness to them, whereas the uh, ramps are just straight green. Yeah, green Greening. AF. Green AF. That's a good good description. Um, so what we're looking for is one to three long, uh, broad leaves, about two inches wide at most, and they can get up to about a foot in length. So basically, if you take your hand, my hand is about six inches long, give or take a little bit. Um, I would give. I think that's... Give a little, maybe yeah, seven I, 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 think, I guess I think from like the very bottom I think you're of in the palm. Yeah, I think you're in the seven plus range. So we'll... Uh, Use your hand as a good guide because, I mean, that's, especially whenever we're out here, I don't always have a tape measuring device with us or anything. Yeah. So, like, I, I've i gotten to know what my three fingers or four fingers, you know, how that correlates to size. But, um, yeah, so we're looking for these long stems and so, or these long leaves, and then their stems are red colored. So, mm-hmm. typically, they're red colored. There are a couple different varieties, and especially here in the Midwest, um, we have, uh, honestly, I think three different varieties. So there's a sub-variety of the trichocum, which is a white stem. 
but it is still Allium trichocum. Uh, but then there is a, a trichocum ver- uh, variety Burdickii, which has uh, fatter leaves, so it's like much wider. There, it's a pretty startlingly, startlingly bigger leaf, mm-hmm. and uh, it has a white stem as well. But they all have that signature. Whenever you travel down the plant, that signature onion bulb with the roots kind of clustered at a like a vascular ring on the bottom, right? And then just kind of like shoot out from there. So if you've seen an onion grow roots, that's kind of what they all kind of look like, especially with, think of green onions. So we talk about alliums a lot on this show. Yeah, we do. Um, so again, if it doesn't smell like an onion, it isn't an onion. But uh, yeah, anything... I think visually that that about covers it. Sometimes you'll see a little, uh, a, some a little bit of that maroon or red that's in the in the stem, like variegate throughout the throughout the ramp itself. Yeah, you know, um, I've seen some really cool pictures. I took a, I took a great picture yeah. the other day. Yeah, beautiful oh, specimen. You. Yeah, yeah, beautiful specimen. Wow. Oh. I didn't even see who posted that. Just a little variety. Was like, it was yeah, it was purple, like yeah. a purple ramp leaf. It was so cool. So if we could isolate that and like you know, separate that from the population and then continue to grow it. And as it divides underground, you're just going to get, you know, a collection of purple leaves. Sure. That's, I think that'd be really cool. Hell yeah. I didn't know that you posted that. Um, so as far as where they grow though, so these are kind of a limited species here in the U S they yeah. don't grow, uh, on the Western portion of the U S. So, uh, as far as territory, mm-mm-mm-mm. I guess I don't have anything specific written here. It's mostly just the eastern portion of the U.S. I'm pretty sure it's pretty far down into the south, but it is kind of a Midwest uh, and then eastern. Like, it's very popular onion uh, in New York and Pennsylvania. Um, There are only a few states in which it's registered as endangered. Almost popular to a fault. In, well, the, in exactly. those areas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because of the uh, kitchen culture, the chef culture there that uh, just puts profit over sensible harvesting. And so people pay a lot for these plants. And they are delicious. They're not the best allium, in my opinion. I agree. But they're just so different and kind of exceptional um, in their own way that it, it becomes kind of, uh, what is it, like a fad or a... They are, yeah. Trendy, they're, obviously, you know, trendy. Exactly. They're en vogue. Um, so what my, I think I think that... That's a huge point, man. Is like th- these are very special things, and they're delicious. If you've ever had like a like a, a chef that I know, uh, Jimmy Bernard, shout out, um, did a uh, pho with a like grilled almost to the point of char, oh, yeah. like ramp, like whole ramp, uh, sans bulb, um, across the top in this beautiful presentation, and it ate. Absolutely deliciously. Yes, so they do cook very well as like a whole spring onion. Yeah, honestly, and that's exactly what they are. They're yeah. just not a spring. You know that that's a different species technically, but that's awesome. Yeah, I've never actually had them just plain. Oh yeah, thrown on the ground. Yeah, man, they're fantastic. <laughs> it 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 imparts just all that ramp flavor throughout an already flavorful broth that takes days to make, uh, and it's just for pe- for. For those that truly appreciate it, it's a it's just a special thing. So yeah. it's it's what and when you can treat it like that, maybe one leaf or like one to three leaves per per bowl. It's it's a little bit different than you know making a ramp pesto or something silly like. And sorry, I'm I'm sure ramp pesto. There's some pretty good ramp pestos out there, <laughs> but uh, it's just I, for me. I feel like you should if you go through the trouble of. Uh, 
you know, doing so much damage to a species, then it should be, uh, should be worth it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, with that, we do want to remember to practice mindful harvesting. You know, only harvest this plant from like really populated areas here in Illinois. We don't really have that problem. Uh, we have old stands. It, it is very habitable here for them. And so they are kind of an aggressive colonizer, and so we don't really need to worry about collecting the plant so much. However, there is still tons of pick shaming online, so There's be mindful. So much. Yeah, be mindful of that um, whenever you share, when you collect, or whenever you think about uh, shaming somebody else that has collected. That um, I think Clay Bauer has brought up a really good point. You know, I mean, he brings it up every 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 year because yeah. we come across this every year. That you know, don't project your uh, ecosystem onto mine because we do have two completely different landscapes and it's up to the per- the forager themselves to determine what is right in that area and you know don't worry about the keyboard warriors telling you that you're ruining ramps because you picked one or two whole plants from an entire hillside like mm-hmm. where we are uh it, on undisclosed undisclosed nature preserve uh Number six, 42069, it is like covered in ramps during this time of the year, yeah. just absolutely swimming in them. And that's the case in many places across uh, Chicago area, especially when we have species, uh, species like hybrid species with the uh, white stem. Yeah. So a lot of people don't even think that they are ramps, but they are. Uh, they also, they're not that good, honestly. They're not as good. There are some flavor variances in the in the from the white stem to the red stem the red stem does taste better but um as far as where else these plants can grow um there are like other varieties so it's like it's not specifically ramps but there are other like ramp adjacent species that grow in japan even like i follow some foragers that are in japan and they there's a much bigger or, uh, you know, they even have a word for it, sansai, where it's like the tiny vegetables. Uh, and that's just kind of what they call all wild vegetables. It's like, ah, oh, it's sansai. And uh, pretty- I guess it's most commonly referred to with the uh, um, hostas. Sure. Because that's a, at, you know, they eat that a lot over in Japan. And we don't eat it as much over here. It's still uh, new to a lot of people that you can eat that. Um but they have their ramps over there. I think there's, you know, obviously wild onions all over the place. But the specific, you know, visual qualities of these two broad leafy uh, leaves coming out of a red uh, red stem. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like a tube almost. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. So, um, I think it's so cute that they call everything, all their tiny veg, sansai. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a general term. You yeah. Know? I love it. Uh, it's definitely a hashtag I follow. It's lots of, and just the kind of like aesthetic quality. Uh, yonder is, uh, it's very cool. Their their natural scene is 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 hopping. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, with that, there's a couple uh, really cool little facts about uh, ramp that, ramps that are important to us in here in Chicago. I, I think I'll deal with one of them right now that like, that's the namesake of Chicago mm-hmm. is the... Uh, what is it? The there's a Native American language for uh, the wild leek for that plant itself was called Chicaqua, and uh, it was used. It, it's still currently used by Cherokee people for uh, all sorts of med- medicinal reasons. The Iroquois 
have a tonic of the plant um, that treats intestinal worms. And uh, it's just always been an important food source for Native people up here. And uh, so much so that this entire region was kind of like named after it. So I love it. Uh, do you have a favorite recipe? You know, I, I, I like to keep it simple. Yeah. I, I, I don't do a lot to them. Just a little bit of uh, salt and olive oil, uh, a tiny bit of black pepper. That's how little I like to do it because black pepper is my jam. And uh, I take it easy just because I love that flavor of the ramps. Um, I, my, my preference is the, the leaf over the bulb. Um, oh. And, uh, yeah, and I just I think it's great, man. I, I, I love your ramp butter. Yes, last year I mixed it with morels, and that's yeah. actually been on reserve for a while. I need to bust it out and use the heck out of it. Um, so yeah, let's 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 take a break, and then we'll come back in the second half with some nutrients and some medicinal stuff, and uh, I'll talk about how uh, what my favorite part of the plant is, and how or my favorite recipe rather. So, heck yeah, heck yeah. Sigh. What's wrong, buddy? Well, I just realized this mushroom supplement I bought isn't actually made with mushrooms. It's made with something called myceliated grain? Myceliated grain? Oh, oh no! no! I'm sorry to tell you, buddy, but myceliated grain is a sure sign of a poor-quality mushroom supplement. Well, dang. I wanted mushrooms, not brown rice. What should I do? Well, you should support a small-batch producer from right here in the Midwest. Kiwino Apothecary. Kiwino Apothecary? Tell me more. Kiwi Na Apothecary specializes in high-quality mushroom extracts from Michigan, and they always use real mushrooms, never, never, never myceliated grain. That sounds like exactly what I've been looking for. Where can I order? Well, you can find them at kiwinaapothecary.etsy.com. That's K-E-W-E-E-N-A-W apothecary.etsy.com. Be sure to read their many excellent reviews. Thanks, buddy. I don't want no low-quality mushroom products from a factory. I want Kiwi Na Apothecary. Wowie, wow! Oh, hey, Steve. Oh, hey, Mike. Well, what's wrong, buddy? Well, I, I just got this new water bottle, but it just looks so plain. Well, have I got the store for you. Introducing the Wild Edible World Podcast Merch Store. Wowie, wow! It's the merch store where you can get all of your favorite podcasts merch for all your decorating purposes. How do I find that? Go to wildedibleworldpod.shopify.com. Or go to any of our Instagram and media accounts and view the link in the bio. Wowie wow! setting two handsome gentlemen straddling a log a bowl of a bowl of dressed dandelion greens in front of them a woodpecker singing a song welcome back to the second half of the wild edible world podcast ramp episode you've entered the ramp zone <laughs> welcome back folks um yeah no it's beautiful out here uh 
Yeah, we've we've been hanging out with a woodpecker this whole time that's been whooping and hollering. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Beautiful bird. Um, he or she. You know, I meant to go grab uh, a couple ramp leaves that we yeah. could m- munch on uh, for this section, but we'll we'll do that in a second. I'll start off with the uh, the the little bit of the drier stuff uh, and talk about the, the vitamins that you can find in this in this wonderful plant because it is loaded with vitamin K, C, A, and B6, and then also has lots of iron and magnesium, um, which also uh, it's all it. So there's studies been done on it on the uh, quantities of manganese that it has on it, which can help reduce, like, PMS symptoms, cramping and stuff like that. Wow. But it's also uh, loaded with vitamin C. Uh, and the studies say that it's up to two times by weight compared to oranges. Oranges, So it's got more vitamin C than oranges. Um, and then the normal, uh, you know, the thing that you can associate with all alliums, why they smell the way they do is because of a specific compound called allicin, or, I mean, I'm not sure how to say it, A-L-L-I-C-I-N. I like allicin. Allicin, allicin. Yeah. yeah. it just sounds like somebody you know, you know? Real friendly. Like Elvis Costello. Nobody's friend of, afraid of an allicin. <laughs> um, part of what you smell in garlic is a beneficial sulfur compound that imbues antimicrobial and cholesterol-lowering properties. Um, so, you know, anytime you smell an allium, that's what you're smelling. And so it's, you know, you are, medicine is food. And that's just another one of those ways of like kind of reaffirming that this is a medicinal plant as much as it is delicional. Yes. Delicional and medicinal and delicional. Um, it's full of soluble fiber too, which helps you feel full for longer. So that's that's always kind of cool whenever you're looking to lose weight or whatever. I mean, fiber just does magical things for you. It you know, could go down obviously, a, that's could go down only, a little bit of a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a, the only thing it's of, good for. Lots, so. of good, lots of good things. Fiber, we got your back. Yeah, for sure. We fuck with fiber. Yeah. Alongside with that, the Cherokee used to use this plant as a spring tonic. So if, oh, if, yeah. if yeah, to fight like colds or, or croup, things like that. So if you think about it, there's lots of like uh, wives tales about people taking a slice. Of, I don't know if you've ever heard this. Maybe I'm. Oh, yeah. Put it on your feet. Put it on your feet. Yeah. yeah. Take a slice Definitely. on you, put it on your feet. Or have a, a have done you next to your bedside if you're not feeling well. And so this checks out, except you're getting it in your system. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's delicious. Yeah. Those mm. dandelion, that dandelion salad is. Molto bene. Just because you're teasing everyone with a with a with the dandelion salad, I'll I'll tell you this is a a salad I made from one single dandelion crown. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, this is it, huge. I know it's gigantic, and I crammed it in that bowl. Um, one single dandelion crown. I took the uh, petals and I used it in a vinaigrette using uh, a little bit of olive oil. Michael's handmade. Uh, apple cider vinegar, uh, just a touch of black pepper, salt, and a little bit of honey, lemon zest, and it is fan-effing-tastic. Yeah, out of this world. Done yeah. and dusted. Out of this world. Um, yeah, I, and there's there's also decoctions that uh, it's been used historically where you boil the roots down, and that can induce vomiting. So there's, there's record of that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it it was an important 
plant, and it still very much is an important plant for Native people and, uh, you know, just for all of us that live up here in the Great Lakes area, in the Appalachias, and on the eastern coast, where it is also very popular. So, um, really cool plant. Hope you guys find some of it this year. Um, I guess let's let's we're gonna pause for a second, then we're gonna go find some, and then we'll 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 talk about the vapors. <laughs> the vapors. We have returned with the leaves, ramps in hand, the leaves of destiny. So I'm gonna start. I think at the uh, we just took one leaf each, uh, a little bit of red stemming at the base of it. And the kind of red color continues up the back single middle rib that it's got. Um, but yeah, already smells. Uh, I smell uh, nice and congested. <laughs> awesome. Uh, smells really good. It does smell really good. Smells um, better than the white stemmed ones. The white stemmed ones smell kind of grassy to me. Um, so yeah, we'll start on the stem. Take a little nibble. It's so good, dude. I mean, it's not that they're bad. Just because I say there's a better one, that there's better alliums, doesn't mean that this is bad by any means. I also wanna, want to want to make reference to me talking shit about Ramp Pesto earlier. Do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I was just I, I was just going off because I really like to preserve the ingredient. But do whatever you want. I'm not here to pesto shame people. I love pesto. Some of my For best real. friends are pesto. <laughs> uh. Also, I was just sitting here twirling this leaf, trying to think of other uh, delicious uses for it. And, uh, you know, that made me think of the pesto. Yeah, so uh, recently Black Forager Alexis Nichols posted a video where she uh, salt, like in salt infused, essentially. Like, mm -hmm. so she just kind of stuck it in a bunch of salt and then dehydrated them together. I, you'll have to watch it again um, or watch it for the first time if you haven't seen it. Because it's a really cool way of uh, really, really preserving that into a salt. And it, it's they're mostly whole leaves, and they are just, like, encrusted in salt. And then you basically just crumble them over whatever you want or in your popcorn or whatever you're trying to serve them with. And it is still very infused with rant flavor. That's a really fun way to do it. Um, another way, uh, you know, it's just probably a step away from being as bad as pesto, Steve, so don't attack me. <laughs> but it's the butter. It's, uh, you know, making a composite butter with the ranch stuff. That's something I do every single year. Um, it's not the most creative by It's any a great means, use. It's a great it's, use. It's another one of those factors where it's like you're utilizing the fats to absorb all the fragrant qualities, and uh, it's just a really excellent way to deliver onion, no matter what it is. So Agreed. It does help really preserve the quality of that ingredient and everything. Um, what else is there to do with it? Uh, honestly, yeah, just sauteing them whole um, you can get creative it's a it's a leafy so, green there's so many things right yeah so one of my favorite things that i tried recently after i read about it in alan burgo's book flora was the soy sauce fermented ramps so basically mm. soy sauce has a high enough salinity content that you can use it for fermenting um so basically what you do is you just uh crush you cube up like one inch squares of just like one handful of ramp leaves and then I used a bottle of tamari, and you just pour that in a dish, combine the two, kind of stir them up, and then put a lid on it and let it ferment. Not like not airtight, so you shouldn't use a jar or anything, but kind of like a loose lid so that 
the uh, active fermentation process can still happen. That needs oxygen. It does not happen in a vacuum. So, well, it can happen in a vacuum. I digress. <laughs> Continue to let it ferment, and that just takes like one week, and it is going to be the most dank soy sauce you will ever have. It was so difficult for me to not use the entire bottle very, very quickly. What would you use it on? Oh, I mean, first time we met for the podcast, I served Ooh, us dumplings with it. That's right. Right? That's right. So there's that. Um, just about anywhere you would use soy sauce, honestly. It's a great addition. Um, I would put it in my stir-fry sauce mix. I'd like to dip a little little sushi in that. That's what I'm saying. That sounds lovely. It's Wonderful. it's out of this world. So yeah. Especially because and the tamari, in my opinion, a little deeper, a little bit more uh, genuine. So it kind of just kind of kicks it up a little bit of a notch. Um, so with that being said, we'll take a little bit of nibble on the on the leap. <laughs> that was a weird. So that was lucky. a weird. That was a weird nibble sound. That's how he nibbles all the time, though. Yeah, I, I never had the I never had the courage to say anything until now. Yeah. Wow. So the leaf is a lot slower of a come on, honestly. So it tastes like green onion to start, and then it just gets that like real hot fresh onion. If you eat like red onion on a burger, it's like. I mean, it's like spicy in the way that radish is spicy, right? Like yeah. onion spicy. So it's not like hot, hot, but it's got that that zing to it. So really I, I, I guess just touching a little bit more on the conservation piece because we just took a leaf, being responsible. Yeah, fellas. let's let's, di- let's so, dip into that. So let's just dip on that one more time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you are looking to, not that there aren't enough videos out there. If you are looking to. Be very cautious. Maybe in your area, ramps are are few and far between. Uh, one leaf per plant, assuming it has two or more leaves. I mean, honestly, it's one leaf per every three plants, really. Yeah. So it's like you see and try to focus on the plants that have three leaves compared to the ones that have one or two, because then they'll still have about as much as their competing alliums to uh, photosynthesize, right? Yeah. Because they still need to complete their part of the life cycle. And if you're not in one of those habitats, the I, I guess the biggest thing that I would suggest is just being familiar with your area. The yep. area that Michael and I are currently in, we know intimately. <clears throat> and so we know what the patch is doing. We know if it's looking a little sparse. We know if it's looking a little crowded and maybe needs to be harvested a little bit. Yep. So if you, if you don't know the area, then just tread carefully, tread lightly. And if you do know the area, then you know what's best, you know? Yeah, usually. And if the, a good rule of thumb, too, that's going to become a little bit more common knowledge once Sam Thayer's work gets published and a couple other people write their own articles about it. There's a lot of uh, research being done by a lot of excellent, very reputable foragers that have their own plots. And honestly, the evidence from farmers who have been selling this crop for uh, a very, very long time. As a farmer, you do not want to harvest your crops in a way that depletes your return yield, yeah. right? So you're not going to damage your crops by harvesting in a way that makes you get less next year. Um, so a lot of those techniques kind of boil down to, and this is, as as usual, it is kind of oversimplifying it again. So with a grain of salt that you're taking into mind your own personal uh, ecosystem is that uh, one uh, five plants per every square foot is the best that is the most optimal way so if you have 
sometimes, you know, in the patches where we are, there are 12 plants crammed into a square foot. Easily. So you can take up to four or five of those plants as long as, you know, you look around. There's 30 more patches within a jumping distance with that many ramps in each of those little sections, honestly. Like, then, yeah, you can leave about five per square foot in some places and be able to take the whole plant and have it be regenerative because they are stressing each other out. Those ramps that you leave behind will grow twice as big the next year. They'll fill in those spaces. And if they're mature enough, whenever they flower and they drop seeds, you've disturbed the area around those plants, which increases the chance of germination. Mm -hmm. So... It's just another one of those ways where we really do have the data and the uh, the math to show that foraging responsibly and you know following some guidelines, foraging is very regenerative and it is not harmful at all. Even though you're taking an entire plant for the entire colony, it is incredibly healthy. And if you say otherwise, you come find me. Yeah, come at us. Come with <laughs> come with those hands. We we got we know that we know people. Wood, uh, we got woodpeckers on our side. <laughs> yeah, we're dis- regular Disney princes over here. That's who you're beefing with. That's right, Disney princesses. Cute little guys. Think about that. Cute little cute, Disney princesses. Cute little dudes. Prince and princess. Yes. <laughs> so I think with that, that's that's a very nice full uh, ramp episode for us. I think so. Let's eat some more of the salad. And let's eat some more of this salad. And then uh, we got a couple surprises coming for you guys in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be doing some collaborations with uh, some local people near us. But for now, the, they're secrets. Uh, terms of service. and uh, But, yeah, we got some maybe consumable products coming to you soon. But we love you guys. We hope uh, you enjoy this episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.